This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. I think that it offers so much hope to anybody who's sitting there going, I don't know what to do. Like start, set your intention, create this goal, and then break it down and figure out what you have to do every single day in order to get yourself to where you want to go. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about fear. You know, that thing that holds us back from stepping out, leaning in, or stepping up to the challenges that inspire us, and ultimately becoming the person we're meant to be. How can we overcome our fears and embrace the obstacles that stand in our way? Our guest today is going to help us answer that very question. Ruth Sukup is here with us today. She's a five-time best-selling author who is dedicated to helping women overcome their fear and create a life they love. Her practical advice and resources have been featured in numerous publications and news programs, including Time, Entrepreneur, and Fox News. Her new book, Do It Scared, Finding the Courage to Face Your Fears, Overcome Obstacles, and Create a Life You Love, is available this month. Welcome to the show, Ruth. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Ruth, I understand you surveyed more than 4,000 women about the role fear plays in their lives. What did you learn? I did. Well, there were some men in that survey, too, but we learned a lot of a lot of things but primarily what i was trying to figure out was i talked to so many people all the time who feel like they're sitting on the sidelines of their life who feel afraid to jump in um afraid to go after their goals and dreams wholeheartedly and it it got me so curious i wanted to dig deeper so i started asking questions it blew up into this huge survey um and this study of more than 4000 people but what we discovered was ultimately that not all fear is created equal in that the way fear looks, what fear looks like in our lives is really unique to the individual. It's, it's a little bit different for everyone. So we each have our own sort of fingerprint, if you will, of, of fear and the way that it plays out in our lives. And it's what we do with that information that is so key to overcoming it. Excellent. Well, I understood you sort of diagnosed those uh, those fear archetypes a little bit. So could you tell us what those archetypes are and how these people break down in these different areas? Absolutely. So what we found is that there, while fear looks different for everyone, there were seven very distinct patterns, and that's what we call the fear archetypes. So for some people, the procrastinator slash perfectionist, there's the fear of making a mistake. That's the underlying fear um, versus for someone like the outcast where their fear is being rejected. That's the, the the biggest fear that they have is this fear of rejected rejection. And so for the outcast, the way that often manifests is rejecting other people before they can be rejected for the rule follower. The fear is the fear of stepping outside of the lines or this sort of perception that there's somebody out there who's going to get mad if they do something, if they do something wrong and don't follow the rules. Uh, for the people pleaser, the fear is what other people will think of you or the fear of being judged or the fear of letting other people down. And so why that all matters so much is that it's sort of like when you go to the doctor and you tell the doctor, 
I don't feel good or, you know, I'm not, I just feel like something's wrong. And the doctor has to make the diagnosis before you can find the cure. And it's essential. And the, and fear works the same way. So, so much of this stuff that happens with fear happens without us really even realizing it. It happens subconsciously. It happens in the, you know, that little voice in the back of our head that's talking to us that we think is telling us the truth, but is actually not. And it's actually based in fear. And so as soon as we can make that diagnosis and start to recognize those patterns in our life, that's when we can actually start to do something about it. So you are a fear doctor is what you're saying. (laughs) I don't know if I would go that far. I would say that I have a lot of experience with fear and that has made me really passionate about this subject. Okay, cool. Let's talk about fear in your life. I understood you've gone through a lot in your life and that's really kind of inspired you to write this book and do the podcast and everything that you're doing. So how have you dealt with fear in your life? Oh my goodness. So many ways. So when I was in my early twenties, I, uh, I went through a really bad depression. Um, really, really serious. I attempted suicide multiple times and was in and out of psychiatric hospitals, ended up with a very serious suicide attempt that almost ended my life. I was in a coma on life support with less than a 10% chance of coming out of it. And at the end of that whole experience with depression, or I sort of got, I finally reached the end of all my treatment options. The doctor sent me home and and said, there's nothing more we can do for you. I had had electroshock therapy. I'd had every kind of medication. Nothing had really been effective. And so they gave up and said, we don't know what else to do for you. And that was where I really hit rock bottom, realizing at 24 years old that I had no friends left. I had dropped out of school. I was divorced. I had filed for bankruptcy because hospitals are expensive. And I had literally lost everything that you could possibly lose in your life. And I also had no hope that anything was ever going to be better. The doctors had basically told me, we don't think that we can do anything more for you. There's no hope for you. And that was sort of I mean, there's no, there's no feeling more terrifying than that, than feeling like you at 24 years old have ruined your life. And even if you wanted to get things back together or get your life back together, it felt like it was impossible. And so I sat there in that rock bottom place for several months. Um, I was at my dad's house because he did not, he, he couldn't turn me away, even though he didn't really want me there. And, uh, I laid in bed for months and finally, finally, uh, he couldn't take it anymore. And he finally convinced me to start going to the gym just three days a week. He's like, please just do this, do this for me. Go walk on the treadmill for 30 minutes, three times a week. I think it'll help you. And so that for me, that moment was literally putting one foot in front of the other on the treadmill. And then I would go right back to bed, but it gave me just enough something. I don't know what it was, but it gave me just enough motivation to, to realize that maybe it feels hopeless right now, but maybe it's not hopeless. Maybe there is something more I can do. And so at that point I called a I called a new therapist and I said, I've spent the last two and a half years talking about every bad thing that's ever happened to me. And I don't want to do that anymore. I don't know. I don't even know how to move forward. I am terrified that I have ruined my life and I just need to know how to live now. And that was what she helped me do. And for, I saw her for another two and a half years after that. And she just just helped me 
basically learn how to function like a normal adult human being again, was starting with how to go to the grocery store without having a panic attack. And then getting a part-time job and getting an apartment and getting a full-time job and then going back to school to finish my degree and applying to law school and getting a dog and making new friends, all of these things that seems so normal and mundane, but that I was really struggling with. And that was that part of my life of having to literally build my life back from scratch after thinking that I had completely thrown it away. Every step of the way, I was terrified. Every new thing that I she challenged me to do was completely terrifying. But what I've realized now, looking back and 15 years later, I'm remarried. I have two beautiful children. I have this amazing business and an amazing life that I could have never even dreamed about having. And I look back and I'm so grateful for all those lessons, but how that taught me to deal with fear was to just continually take action, those little action steps, because every every step builds on the next one and the next one and the next one. And so that's something that I really talk about in the book is, is the importance of taking just one little step. Action is the antidote to fear. That is a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And obviously it's a very intimate and vulnerable moment in your life. And that, that pers- personally, that means a lot to me. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, and obviously, it's perfect for our conversation today because you said it. I mean, you were in a spot of, of not wanting to live anymore. You, you've lost everything, your, your marriage, your, your money, your situation. And, and from there, you took baby steps. So I, I guess let, let's talk about that. Those baby steps that you took, the small steps to begin with, that's a big part of your conversation that you're having in this book where people can overcome fear, whether it's personal or emotional fear or fear to move forward on a business opportunity. Uh, the small steps are the right place to start. So how do you start by deciding what those small steps are and, and how do you get the motivation to do it? Oh, that's such a good question. So I think there's a couple, there's a couple pieces to, to it. The first thing, you know, after you've, I think the first the first step is just identifying where you are at in the process. What it what does fear look like specifically for you and how is it manifesting in your life because you can't start to make changes to your thoughts and to the way that you're handling it until you've until you've really dug in and said, "Okay, this is this is where I'm at. This is my starting point." The next part is then changing, changing your thoughts and figuring out how to replace those, those thoughts that have previously happened subconsciously and held you back subconsciously and, and starting to identify them and then replacing them with positive thoughts and more and healthier ways of coping with things. So realizing that, you know, if your biggest fear is making a mistake, that maybe you're replacing that message with, there are no mistakes, only lessons, which is one of my principles of courage. And that's, you know, or if you're a rule follower, maybe it's replacing it with my, my personal motto, which is rules are for suckers of just saying, you know, I don't have to, I, and that doesn't, by that, I don't mean that all rules are bad, but what I mean by that (laughs) is that, (laughs) Is that there are a lot of things that get said that people take as like, this is a rule or this is the way you have to do things that aren't actually that way. And so it's important to learn how to think for yourself and to use those critical thinking skills and to re- and to remind yourself that you, just because somebody said something is some a certain way or should be a certain way or you feel like something should be a certain way doesn't always mean that's true. And you have to always be questioning that. So it really depends where you're at to focus on then where the thoughts need to change. And then from there, it's learning how to take action. 
And I actually really recommend for people that they start by creating stretch goals, which might seem counterintuitive to taking small steps at a time. But I personally believe that there's nothing more motivating than having sort of big, exciting goals that actually spur and trigger a good kind of fear, a healthy kind of fear, a sort of motivating a fire in your belly that that makes you go, oh my gosh, do, can I actually do this? I mean, humans, there's ample research to show that humans are happiest and most content and most excited about life when they're striving for something. And so if you're never striving for something, you don't get to have that sort of motivation that gets you jumping out of bed in the morning. And so I would start by just closing your eyes and envisioning what do you really want when you think about like big things and big dreams in your life. How, what are those things that you've never even dared to allow yourself to dream about or allow yourself to think about? And how can you, how can you even, if you can't even think of what those are, how, how can you take what dreams you have and make those even a little bit bigger? And then from there, it's taking those big dreams and breaking them down into If you have big goals for your life, breaking those down into goals for the year, breaking those yearly goals into goals for the month and then goals for the week until you're down to like a daily, hourly, granule level. And then that's when you take the tiny step and each of those tiny steps will get you closer to that big thing. I love that. I am a big fan of goal setting. I got this book earlier in the year. Uh, it's called Make It Happen. And you outline your big goals for the year and then you follow it up with little steps. It's worked so well for me this year. I've never done that before, before starting this year. And it's helped me out so much. Uh, people listening right now, we're, we're doing this show in May, almost the middle portion of the year. And a lot of this goal setting for a lot of people happens in January and be like, hey, I'm going to get off. I'm going to you know have a great year. I'm going to do everything that I want to do in my life you know, come May now where maybe people have maybe fallen off the wagon. Why did, why do people fall off the wagon? I guess when it comes to goal setting, are we setting too big of goals? Are we setting too small of goals? What, what, what is the main reason that people are falling off? And I guess it's different for everybody, but what have you found? It's probably different for everyone, but I think one of the things that I have found and because I, you know, I have my own planner company, I talk about goal setting on the regular, but, but I, and I'm a huge, I'm hugely passionate about it too. But what I have found for so many people is that it's easy to get out of the habit of revisiting your goals, revisiting your goals every single day, revisiting your goals every single week and every month and, and every year. And, and so that's one of the reasons I developed the living well planner, which is my planner, because it does exactly that. It helps you set your long-term goals for the year, but then every month you're setting your monthly goals. And then every week you're working on your plan for the week. And so I've just created a habit in my life. And I really recommend that people do this is every week I, I sit down and I have it blocked out of my calendar every single week. Um, on Friday, Friday afternoons, I sit down and I plan out my following week. And so I, look at my, what are my goals for the month? What do I still need to accomplish? What haven't I got? What haven't I done? What do I still need to do? Where am I at on these things that I want to get done? And what's going to be my big focus for this coming week? And I get all of this stuff out of my head and I put it down. I do a brain dump on a piece of paper and then I prioritize that to-do list and make sure that my A tasks are only the tasks that are going to get me closer to my biggest goals. My B tasks are the, everything else, all those tornadoes, those urgent things. And then there's my C tasks, which are the things that might not, you know, that I would like to do if I have the time. And once I've 
established all of those things and established my priorities, then I actually go through my calendar and block out time and make appointments with myself in order to get everything done. And so for me, the the process of doing this every single week is part of the success of it. And I have to be diligent about making that time and blocking it out. But then the other part of it is making the appointment with myself and treating that appointment as seriously as I would treat an appointment or an obligation to someone else. We don't always give ourselves the freedom or the permission to to make our own stuff a priority or to make our big goals a priority. But if you can get into that habit of looking at the appointments on your schedule, even the appointments with yourself as appointments that, in the, the you know, if you say you had a lunch or a meeting or something scheduled and somebody said, Hey, can you do such and such at 12 o'clock on Friday? And you said, I'm sorry, I can't, I already have a prior obligation. That's exactly what you say for your own appointments too. Why don't we give ourselves the same courtesy that we would give anybody else? And so once you can get into that habit, it's amazing how things, how that starts to move the needle and you start to get more done than you ever thought possible. There are more hours in our week than we realize that there are, but this process of first brain dumping, then prioritizing, then time blocking for me every single week on Fridays. And the reason I like to do it on Friday afternoon, I used to do it on Sunday, but then I would find myself thinking the whole weekend about like all the stuff that I had coming up, like, oh my gosh, am I going to remember to do all this? But I find that if I do my brain dump on Friday afternoon before I go home for the weekend, then I know I have a plan for the next week and I can completely relax and give myself Saturday and Sunday to just recharge. And that's been really amazing. I like that idea of finishing it at the end of the previous week and then clearing your head per se. So you can focus on, you know, your family or relaxation on the weekends and then get ready to go back to work on Monday. I like that a lot. So one question you, you talked about filling your head or surrounding yourself with messages that will be positive to you. So I understand, you know, power of positivity is very powerful. How did you, as you were coming out of, you know, the, this moment when you were in your 20s, what, what did you surround yourself with that really helped you? Obviously, you met with a, an incredible therapist that, you know, that saved your life almost, and your, your yes. father was there for you. But what other, what other things were you doing? Were you filling your head with podcasts or books or reading? Or Tell, tell us what you were doing at that time. <gasps> Not at that time. I don't know if podcasts were even around back then. Um, this was like cell phones were a big deal. Uh, <laughs> but I, I was, I did start going back to school. So I think that that was motivating and I was working even then I was working towards this big goal. So I had, and not right away, obviously at first, my big goal was just to like get out of my dad's house and get my own apartment. There was big goals and milestones along the way. But once I had then moved into an apartment and gotten a real job, I realized, you know what, I've always, always wanted to go to law school. This is something I really want to do. I don't only want to go to law school. I want to also go to business school. And so I was going to do a dual degree program, get my JD and MBA. So this was a, this was a big goal. And I didn't just want to do any old law school. I was like, I want to go to a top 20 law school and tw top 20 program. So I was taking, taking the GRE and taking the LSAT and, and studying for all the tests. And I had to actually finish my college degree in order to apply to all these colleges. So it was a pretty big project. And I think that gave me a lot to do. 
and a lot to focus on. And again, it's the striving that there's something so satisfying in the striving because I got to law school. And as it turns out, law school was like the worst place for me. I am I mean, my, my motto is rules are for suckers. And I should have realized that maybe law school was not going to be a good fit for me because it is very rule oriented. And it was, I struggled a lot. And, and then that was a, that was a whole new challenge, right? Is learning. Okay. Because, because I'm so goal oriented, the idea of failing at that goal felt like I can't quit. And it was actually, I had thankfully by then met the man who would be my husband. He had, he had quit his job and moved to St. Louis with me so that I could start law school. And, um, he, he bought a house so that we, cause we were planning to be there for four years and about seven months into it, I was so miserable. He's like, you know, you can quit. You don't have to do this if you don't want to. And I looked at him and I was like, oh my gosh, what, what are you talking about? I can't quit. You quit your job. You moved cross country with me. You bought a house. I've ruined your life. And you're going to tell me that it's okay to quit. And he's like, I'll still love you. And that was, I think for me, the most, one of the most powerful lessons ever to realize it's okay to change your path. It's okay to pivot. And it's really important to have the right people in your life who will love you and support you no matter what. That's incredible. It sounds like a good man. That's awesome. He's a good man. Still supporting me every step of the way. (laughs) We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan 
above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. marriagekidsandmoney.com slash tello. Thanks for considering our sponsors, everybody. Now let's jump back into the show. little bit about growing a business that you love, because I think that's where you've transitioned in your life. Um, you know, there's there's a young parent listening right now. We've got a lot of young parents that listen to the show that are busy being a mom or busy being a dad, and they don't really um, set aside a lot of time for these stretch goals or, or, or thinking about their dreams. Where's a good place for them to start if they're kind of frustrated with that current path? Maybe it's going to law school or their current job. <laughs> to make that switch to do something that they're excited about in an entrepreneurial world? Well, you know, there, I, the first thing I want to say is that there are so many opportunities online these days for somebody who is just trying to figure out what they want to do that I think we live in the most exciting time imaginable. I really, I really feel that without 100% of my, my being. And I, you know, I've built an online company, but, but like I said, 15 years ago, there were no podcasts, there were no blogs. There was, this was not even a thing. You couldn't internet marketing and having an online business that wasn't really a thing yet. And maybe it was just starting, but very few people. And now the, the doors are wide open and it's so accessible. And so, and it's so, um, like low risk, if you really think about it, compared to a lot of other, when people thought about starting a business 15 years ago or 20 years ago, it was, oh my gosh, I have to start a franchise and I have to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into this thing and hope that it's going to work out. And it, it's not like that anymore. It doesn't mean you, you won't have to invest any money. You probably will, but it's far less. So it's kind of amazing. So when you look at it that, I think just when you can start by looking at it that way, like, oh my gosh, I have more opportunities right now in front of me than anyone has ever had at any point in history ever. And that is really, really cool. So first of all, just be like grateful and excited and allow that energy to spur you towards whatever you decide to do. And then the fact that there are so much, there's so much great information out there too, about teaching you how to do it online courses and and podcasts and so much education. I mean, to the point where it can probably be a little bit overwhelming. And, but what I think that is, again, you set that intention for yourself, say, what is it, if I was going to do anything, what would it be? What does, what does this look like to me? And then break it down, break down that big goal into more manageable bites. What does that look like for this year? What does that look like for this month? When I break that down, what does that look like for this week? And what does that look like today? Because the problem for so many of us is that life is busy and there's always a million things. And if you've got little kids running around and, and kids at home, there's always so many things going on, so many tornadoes that are spinning around that if you don't make the time for your big goals every single day, if you don't put that as your top priority, the time will go away. It'll, it will go away. We won't ever have it. And, but when you can take 30 minutes a day and focus on this, whatever this big goal is that you want to go after, you'll be amazed at how quickly you can make progress and how you can do that stuff. I started my business 
So after I dropped out of law school, I went through a few years of kind of trying to find my place. I worked for a while. My husband worked for a while. Then we ended up having a couple of kids. And in 2010, I was a stay-at-home mom of our three-year-old and one-year-old. And he, he was working, but he hated his job, like hated his job. And he was an aerospace engineer. So he, he did fine. Like he was a good provider, but just hated what he was doing. I didn't really like being at home that much. I was very like dissatisfied. I love working. I love being busy and didn't have a lot of friends or people in my network at that time. We had just moved back to Florida. And so I was spending a lot of time at Target with my one-year-old and three-year-old because we had no other place to go. It was too hot to play outside. Like, girls, let's go to Target again. And Target's not a cheap hobby. (laughs) It really adds up. And so every, my husband saw every minute that I was spending at Target as another hour that he had to spend at work. And that was starting to like really affect our relationship in such a such a bad way. And we were fighting more and more and more about money. And we knew something had to give and I knew something had to give. And so somebody, a friend had sent me a link to a blog a couple of months earlier. And she's like, Oh, isn't this, isn't this cute? If I have had all the time in the world, I think this is something that I would do. And I like looked at it and I had not been on the, in the online world that much up to that point. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is cute. And yeah, I think I could do something like that. So my husband and I have this big fight about money and I decided that I was going to find a new hobby and that was going to be starting a blog called living well and spending less, living well, spending less. And I like, I like to tell people a couple of things. First of all, if I can, if I can like make my way back from this terrible depression that I told you about, if I can completely ruin my life and 15 years later be talking to you as the New York Times bestselling author and a owner of a seven figure company, then literally it doesn't matter how badly you've screwed up your life. There is so much hope for you. So that's thing number one. Thing number two is if I can start a business called living while spending less when I am like the world's worst money manager, then you can literally start a business about anything. You do not have to be an expert. Don't worry about that. People ask me that all the time. Like, don't I have to be an expert in this? Trust me, you do not. <laughs> my The take that I would always take was I'm struggling with this, but here, I'm going to share my journey with you. And it's really, it's possible to do that. And it's, it's such a neat thing. So yes, I started this business called Living While Spending Less and it started to grow. And, but what it also did is it opened up I didn't start it as a business. I started as a hobby, but what it did is opened up a whole world to me that I never knew existed before a world of blogs and bloggers and blogging and online marketers and internet, internet businesses. Like it was just, it was almost like this curtain had been pulled away and I couldn't believe what was out there. And I thought, I want to do that too. So I went to my husband and I was like, honey, I'm going to do this. I am going to make enough money blogging so you can quit your job and be a stay at home dad. And he looked at me and he goes, honey, that is the stupidest thing that you have ever said. You can't make money on a blog. And I think that was like, he knows me well, because that was all the motivation that I needed to, to be like, well, okay, watch me. And, uh, it took two and a half years, which 
in hindsight, seems very fast. But at the time, as the stay-at-home mom of two little kids, when I was working, you know, have, finding having to find the margin to work between 2 a.m. and 8 a.m. on my on my blog and on my business, um, it felt like forever. But it took two and a half years, and he left his job in 2013, and we've never looked back. So. It's been, and then it's just continued, continued to grow to what it is today at a five million dollar company. So that's it's been kind of insane, um, the whole journey. But I think that it offers so much hope to anybody who's who's sitting there going, I don't know what to do. Like start, set your intention, create this goal, and then break it down and figure out what you have to do every single day in order to get yourself to the, where you want to go. I love that story, Ruth. That's so cool. So many great things in there. Obviously, you know, I'm we're in I'm in the online marketing world too. The low barrier to entry, the small amount of investment, and also like how you described it, if you if you get into something, it's almost like an entrepreneurial internship, right? You go in there, you test it out for a little while, and if you don't like it, how much did you spend? A hundred bucks on your domain name or something like that? Exactly. And the, the, the WordPress site. It's no big deal. And so and I appreciate how your you know, your husband was there alongside you uh, to sort of goad into motivating you, like almost <laughs> uh, almost uh, poke at your sides and get you going. I, I like how you guys have that playful relationship. That's cool. So let's talk about that a little bit. You know, there's there's somebody listening right now saying, you know, that'd be great. I I, I want my uh, I want to grow my own business. I think that would be a great place to start and and try to you know move towards having a. Uh, an online business that's location independent. And yeah, I would love to, you know, help my wife to quit a job she doesn't like or my husband, you know, so what, what's a way that, you know, obviously we know how to kick that off with some great goals, but is there something that our spouses can do? Maybe they're listening and saying, Hey, I would love to support my wife in, in a similar journey. What could they do to, you know, to provide that support? And, and it sounds like your husband did, you know, not only with words of motivation, but also it sounds like he probably chipped in with, you know, helping with the kids and everything like that. So how did that go for you? And what, what, what other things could uh, spouses or husbands do to support wives in this situation? That's a, that's a great question. And I, I get that a lot. I think, first of all, opening up the conversation is probably the most important thing that you can do. And I think that spouses need to hear, and this goes back to the fear thing, is that so often, so much of our fear is happening in the inside our head, right? We have that voice in our head that's telling, I could never do that. I could never do that. Oh, my husband would never understand, or my wife would never understand why I wanted to do that. But what we don't realize is that when we sometimes open up the conversation, our spouse is way more supportive and way more encouraging than we ever think possible. And you just have to be open about and vul- and be willing to be vulnerable too. And I think that has always surprised me too with my husband, because sometimes I'll think, oh, he would never go for this. But when I talk to him and I say, hey, this is really important to me. What do you think about this? He is, and my husband, like, don't get me wrong. He is the very blunt and a very honest person. Like he will tell, he will t- say it like it is, which I actually love about him and think and appreciate so much. But he also loves me so much. And just like I love him so much and I want the best for him. I want him to be happy. And and your spouse wants that for you too. But I think also if you see your spouse struggling, um, to find the confidence to do something that like be that cheerleader, be the person, the 
the pusher, first of all, because we all need somebody who will push us to be better, but also encourage us and lift us up. And so it starts by opening the door with the conversation, but then having, having those, the two sides of that, there's the loving side along that goes right along with the pushing side, because that's like, you need to have two things. If you're too loving and coddling, that does, that's not helpful for people. But if you're too critical, that's not helpful either. It's, it's, a little bit of both that's so necessary. And then, you know, there's so many resources out there for doing stuff like this. I have a I have a course because obviously when when all of this happened with my husband um quitting his job, I started getting so many questions. I'd never really thought about teaching people how to do this. And yet my audience and my friends started saying, what are you doing? So I wrote a book first. That was it was actually my first book called How to Blog for Profit Without Selling Your Soul. And was just expecting it to be this thing that I sort of handed people when they asked about it and had no idea it would take off. It went, I released it and it went to number two on Amazon the next day. Like it was insane. I mean, that doesn't like, that doesn't even happen. And, um, just this self self published book. And, um, then from there, I thought that was going to answer all the questions and I still kept getting more and more questions And this is actually, this is great advice that I got from Dan Miller. I don't know if you know Dan Miller, but he says, whenever somebody asks me the same question three times, I create a product. Mm. So think about that for your business. If you're thinking of starting a business and people are asking you the same questions over and over again, like that hone in on that because that's where, that's where your sweet spot is. When he said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to create a product because what people were asking me was there's so much information online about how to create a business and how how to start a blog and how to do this. But there's the problem isn't that I, I can't get the information. It's that there's so much, I don't know what to do with it. Can you just tell me what to do step by step by step in order to be successful? And I would say that if there's one thing that I'm, I've really good at, it's teaching people how to do things step by step. And so I'm like, yeah, I can do that. And I ended up creating this course called elite blog Academy that in 2014, thinking again, that it was just going to be this thing that I put out there for a little while. And and then of course this blogging trend would go away and that didn't happen. And now, you know, here we are five years later, we just released EBA 4.0, our fourth version of the course. We have over 11,000 students in 60 countries worldwide. It's, it's, um, it's been amazing to watch the growth, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, And then that's exactly what we do. We teach you step-by-step how to create an online business. So finding something like that, finding a teacher that resonates with you, and then finding something that can help walk you through the process, especially if you're a rule follower and you like to have things laid out, um, that works really, really well. Excellent. Well, let's talk about the new book. So uh, where, where can people find Do It Scared and then connect with you more? Yes. So do it scared. You can find all the information at do it scared.com. We've got some great bonuses that are available with the book right now. If you want to take the fear assessment, you can also find that at do it scared.com. And that's actually, we have, there's two versions of the assessment. So you can take it for free and get your top fear archetype and learn what your top archetype is. Or there's a premium version of the assessment that will give you how you score on all seven archetypes, plus um, talk about your top three in depth and how they interact together, which is sort of like your own unique fingerprint for your fear. And um, right now, when you when you order the book, you can get the book bonuses, and one of the bonuses gives you access to that premium assessment for free. So that's a really amazing, a really amazing deal. 
Excellent. Well, everybody, I had a chance to go through this book. It is very inspiring. It's a lot of the stuff that we talked about today, conquering your fear, moving towards those big goals, and then taking action. So thank you so much, Ruth, for being here today. This is an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for opening up with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to be here. Now that was a powerful discussion on conquering fear and becoming the person we're meant to be. Very cool. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Ruth Sukup. Number one, replace your negative thoughts with positive ones. If you have a negative mantra that runs back and forth in your head, try flipping the script, like Ruth said. If failing is a big fear of yours, and that potential failure has major negative emotions attached to it, try looking at failure as a positive. You don't fail, you learn. My daughter, Zoe, actually came home from school the other day and told me that very quote. She said her teacher loves mistakes because that's how we learn. Number two, create stretch goals. By developing big goals for ourselves, we're going to be more motivated and evidently from Ruth, happier. I love making goals. I start with big ones at the beginning of the year, like, you know, uh, when we paid off our mortgage or becoming financially independent. And then I work on what I can do throughout the year, throughout the month, throughout the week, throughout the day, today even. You know, you, you boil it down, you go from big to small, and then it becomes more manageable, right? You work it down into these manageable baby step tasks, and then you go get it. <laughs> Number three, your goals are just as important as scheduled meetings. This one really hit home for me, and I actually went straight into my iPhone calendar right afterward and started making changes because I treat that calendar like royalty. Whatever it says, I do. So if my goals are super important to me, then they should get the royal treatment as well, right? So I'm going to start physically scheduling my time on my calendar for those important things, my health, my family, and my important business and career goals. So that is going to be a new hobby, new habit of mine. So those are my top three takeaways. Number one, replace your negative thoughts with positive ones. Number two, create stretch goals. And then number three, your goals are just as important as scheduled meetings. Ruth, thank you so much for opening up and sharing with us. This was a really great conversation. I think we're all a little more prepared to take on our fears today. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do any one of these three things to support this show. Number one, join us in our Facebook community called Thriving Families. This is a free open community where we're sharing great things about how to help our family get to the next level. So you can find that at marriagekidsmoney.com slash FB group or simply typing in Thriving Families in the Facebook search bar. The second thing you could do is to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. So we're hanging out every week. And then the third thing, share this episode with a friend who is maybe dealing with fear or depression. 
and wants to break free like Ruth did. You can find this show and all the links and resources mentioned, including a full transcript at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 134. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 134. And if you're new to this show, this is the first time you're listening, I would highly recommend you check out session 116, the 10 steps to young family wealth and happiness. You can find that at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 116. It is a great place to start. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Eleanor Roosevelt. Do one thing every day that scares you. Let's live our best lives today, my friends. Carpe diem.